Hi folks, this is Chris. Just a quick content warning. This episode contains violent and disturbing imagery, as well as discussion of suicide. If you or someone you love is having thoughts of suicide, there is help available. Please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, toll-free, at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Free and confidential support is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You can also visit them online at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Don't wait. Call now. All right. Here's the show. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 123. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm your host, Chris Lester. You can find more of my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fiction with you, and keep you abreast of my writing endeavors. So let's get started with this week's story. Today I'm bringing you part three of my story, Troubled Minds. If you haven't listened to parts one and two yet, go back to episode 121 before continuing on with this week's story. In last week's episode the telepath Abby Preston went looking for the cause of the recent suicides at St. Teresa's school and halfway house. She summoned the Shade of Trisha, one of the girls who had killed herself. The Shade, a psychic impression left by Trisha's emotions and memories, told Abby that she had been tormented by bad dreams. She couldn't see the thing that was torturing her, but she could feel its presence. And, she tells Abby, it's still there, in the school. The Shade senses the monster approaching and flees, and Abby gets a glimpse of the creature. A huge, nightmarish thing, with mad yellow eyes and a body made of twisted flesh and shadow. Before the vision fades, Abby sees the nightmare slitting open the belly of another girl, with its long, knife-like fingers. Abby goes searching for the nightmare that night, using a form of astral projection to move around the school while she's dreaming. From her vantage point in the spirit world, Abby can see that something has been draining the emotions of the school's residents, stripping away their capacity to feel. She finds the monster watching Jenna, the young succubus Abby befriended earlier. Jenna is in the midst of an orgy with several other girls, which stirs up enough sexual energy to allow Jenna to feed on their life force. The nightmare tries to touch them, to feed on the power Jenna has called up but it flinches away, as if burned. Abby confronts the nightmare and tries to destroy it with a psychic blast, but her powers have no effect on it. In response, it taunts her by calling up a vision of her worst memory, the terrible night when Victor attacked her and killed her unborn child. Abby falls to the floor, weeping and powerless, and the monster walks away. You are not yet ripe, little one, the nightmare says, but soon your time will come. Tonight I dine elsewhere. Abby awakens and is comforted by Jenna, who accidentally makes skin-to-skin contact with her and gets a psychic replay of Victor attacking Abby. Abby tells Jenna what she's figured out, that the nightmare was drawn to St. Teresa's, probably from the dreamlands. 
Abby figures it was attracted to the sexual energy that Jenna was stirring up among the students, but when it realized it couldn't use that energy, it started preying on the school's most vulnerable members instead. In the midst of their conversation, though, Abby suddenly realizes what the nightmare was showing her. She goes out to the common room and finds that another girl has committed suicide. Clarice jumped off the roof and inadvertently landed on the wrought iron fence, which tore open her belly in the same way the monster had shown Abby. Jenna is determined to find a way to stop the nightmare from hurting any more of her friends, but Abby is badly shaken and discouraged. Even with all her power, she couldn't stop the beast from doing exactly what it had told her it would do. What chance do the rest of them have? Jenna points out that they have all day to figure out their next move, since the nightmare can only get to them while they're sleeping. Unfortunately, Abby is pretty sure that they can't get to the nightmare unless they're sleeping either. Troubled Minds A Tale of Metamore City Written in Red By Chris Lester Part 3 The mood among the students was understandably subdued that morning, and the activities Jenna had anticipated in the showers failed to materialize. She looked fidgety and uncomfortable at breakfast, and Abby wondered if that was because she'd missed her meal. Of course, to be fair, many of the other girls were also looking uncomfortable at the sight of food after the grisly scene that morning. The morning service had been cancelled. A pair of MCPD detectives showed up and used the time to talk to witnesses while the forensics team investigated the body and its surroundings. In this case, the definition of witness seemed to include anybody who had been in or around the school in the last 24 hours. Abby was starting to work out what she should tell them once they finally got to questioning her when one of the agents received a phone call. He didn't look happy at the news, whatever it was, and he and his partner left soon after. Abby deliberately kept out of his head. Scanning police officers wasn't generally a good way to promote friendly relations with mundanes. It was Saturday, and that meant chores in place of classes, just as well since it was unlikely anyone would have been able to focus on the lesson. After breakfast, Abby found herself working in the gardens alongside Mother Anna, pulling weeds while the older woman pruned the hedges. Both of them stayed far away from the side of the building where Clarice had died. Up topside, it was a bright and cloudless day, and even down here at street level, the occasional sliver of sunlight found its way through the forest of concrete and steel above them. The overall gloom was no worse than that of an overcast day anywhere else. The photosensitive lamps hanging from the skyways had even turned off for the day. The early September air was cool, but comfortably so, and Mother Anna had stripped down to a short-sleeved shirt and khaki work pants. I find that being out here helps me when my spirit is troubled, Anna was saying. There's a kind of meditation in the work, doing my little part to guide and shape Eli's creation, cutting out diseased branches or the shoots that turned wild and grow away from the body. In a way, it's something of a metaphor for the work we do here at the school. Abby leaned over to squint at a tiny plant, decided it was a weed, and carefully pulled it out of the soil. Mother Anna, 
Did you know Clarice very well? She could sense Anna's frown without even having to look at her. As well as any of us did, I suppose. She'd not been with us long. Four months, I believe. Did she ever say anything that made you think she might... do this? Abby asked. Something that might have indicated she was getting worse? Anna reached into a hedge to pinch off a small shoot with her fingers before answering. Many of our girls fight long battles against depression, she said. At times it gets better, at times worse. Clarice was not unique in that respect. Abby nodded. Did she ever mention having bad dreams? Abby, dear, I'm sorry, Anna said, coming over and putting a hand on her shoulder. I know you're trying to make sense of this, like all the rest of us, but sometimes there is no sense to be made. Clarice was a hurt and frightened girl. We tried to reach out to her, tried to help her, but we can only do so much. I loved Clarice, and will miss her terribly, but in the end, she made a choice, despite all our efforts to provide her with other, positive options. She smiled sadly. She fell into the lie of the easy way out. Her choice wasn't rational, but sometimes humans are not very rational creatures. But did she ever say anything about bad dreams? Abby persisted. Even if she did... That would be confidential between her and the sister who counseled her, Anna explained gently. Why do you ask, dear? What's really troubling you? Abby debated how much to tell her. Since I got here, I've been having... Flashbacks, she said at last, the words coming slowly. When I was sixteen, I had an older boyfriend. A lot older. I got pregnant but we had a fight about what was best for the child. He got angry. Hurt me. She rubbed her hands over her arms, trying to force some warmth back into them. I tried to leave him, go back to my family. Then he attacked me, and... Her hand strayed back to the scars on her stomach. I see, Anna said gravely. And you've been having nightmares about this. Abby nodded. It was true enough, and sometimes seeing it during the day, just flashes of it. Have you sought counseling about this before? Of course. After the attack, I had some people who helped me. She avoided mentioning her fellow telepaths in the Psy Collective, who had heard her pain and the death screams of her psionically gifted child. There were some things you just didn't talk about with mundanes. I thought I had worked through it, but now it's coming up again, and I... She gestured vaguely with one hand. It just feels so helpless. Mother Anna sat down next to her on the ground. What happened to the man who attacked you? Abby grimaced. Dead. He... had an accident. Fell off a skyway. Another thing that wasn't discussed with mundanes was the way the Psy Collective dealt with those who hurt one of their own. I see, Anna said again. Well, Abby, if he's dead, then he can't hurt you anymore, isn't that right? Abby nodded. And you've taken yourself out of the situation that got you in trouble in the first place, right? You've made good choices, learned from your mistakes, and asked for help when you needed it. She nodded again. So what is it you're afraid of? 
You said you felt helpless, but you're already helping yourself by the choices you're making. And there are many people here who are more than happy to help you, too. You understand that, right? I understand, Abby said, a bit frustrated. She pulled off her work gloves and reached up to rub her temples. I don't know. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Maybe helpless isn't exactly right. All right, then, Anna said, nodding. What's a better word for how you're feeling? Abby thought about it. Powerless, she said. Useless. People are dying, and I'm not sure if I can stop it. Abby, please. What happened to Clarice was terrible, but it was something she did to herself. You can't take the burden on yourself for her choices. But what if there were something I could do? What if I could do something that would keep the next person from making that choice, like Trisha did and Maya and Sanji? Anna's face reflected pain at the sound of the girls' names, but her gaze remained steady. You just said yourself that you can't do such a thing. Why burden yourself over something you could never have done in the first place? Abby clenched her fists. Because I should be able to do it. And I don't understand why I can't. I don't understand why I'm so... paralyzed. Abby, dear heart, Anna said, putting her hand on Abby's shoulder again. I think I see what the problem is. Abby looked up at her, surprised. You do? The older woman smiled compassionately. You're suffering from what we call survivor's guilt. Your child died, but you lived, and you haven't forgiven yourself for that. No, listen to me, she said sternly as Abby turned away. Reluctantly, she turned back, afraid that Anna might reach for her face and trigger a mind link if she refused to do so. You're angry at yourself because you couldn't save your baby— and so you try to make up for it by saving everyone else. You set impossible standards for yourself, and then punish yourself when you don't measure up to those expectations. Abby nodded. A lot of what Mother Anna was saying had the uncomfortable ring of truth. But she still felt miserable. So what am I supposed to do? Just sit back and let the world fall into the ninth hell? Of course not. If I believed that, would I be here? Of course you should try to help others. But you can't save the whole world by yourself. She squeezed Abby's shoulder gently. You're a survivor, dear. You came back from a darkness that would destroy most people. By your own courage, by the help of others, and by the grace of Eli. You could be an inspiration to many of the younger girls here. But wisdom comes in knowing when you can do something on your own, and when you need the help of other people. Anna leaned a bit closer, fixing Abby with those intense blue eyes. Right now, you instinctively know your limits, but you're refusing to acknowledge them because you wish you could do more. That's why you're afraid. You need to be honest with yourself about what you can really do to help people, and then look to others and their strengths to help you do what you can't do on your own. She smiled slightly, the expression obviously bittersweet. You still won't be able to save everyone, but you'll be able to do much more than you can alone. Respecting your own limits and trusting others to help you will free you to act without fear. As our Lord said, a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. Abby nodded slowly, realization dawning. An idea was taking form in her mind. My God, she murmured, that might work. 
It's crazy, but it just might work. Language, dear, Anna chided. Sorry, mother, Abby said, bowing her head briefly. And thank you. I think I know now what I have to do. I'm glad to hear it, dear, Mother Anna said, rising to her feet. Just remember that there are others here who are willing to help you. Abby nodded once. That's what I'm counting on. For the rest of the morning, Abby was a bundle of nervous energy, her mind spinning furiously to work out the details of what had to be done. None of her own kind were near enough to the school for her to contact, and they wouldn't have been allowed on the grounds in any case. Like it or not, she would have to do this with mundanes. Luckily, she had Jenna. Look to others and their strengths, Mother Anna had said, and that was exactly what she intended to do. If only she could persuade Jenna to do it. You're crazy, Jenna said, after they'd met at lunch and Abby explained her plan. You're out of your mind. Probably, Abby agreed. But this can work. It makes sense. In spooky land, maybe. But come on, Abs. Clarice is dead. She jumped out a window and impaled herself on the fucking fence. Nobody is going to want a party tonight. I realize that, but... She leaned forward across the table and dropped her voice to a conspiratorial whisper. You're a sucky, Jenna. You can make them want to do it. Jenna's face went pale. Oh, hell no, she breathed. No, Abs, don't go that way. I don't mind loosening people up now and then, but what you're talking about? That's some seriously dark shit. I go fucking around with people's heads like that. The Libbies will have my ass for breakfast. Let me worry about the Lightbringers, Abby assured her. Easy for you to say. Spookies get equal rights and all that. They find out I've been doing what you're talking about. They won't need a jury to put me down. She lowered her head and closed her eyes a moment. When she looked back up, they were haunted. Besides, even if I could get away with it, I don't know that I'd want to. I've spent the last five years trying to convince myself that I can be what I am and not be evil. I don't know if Eli lets suckies into heaven, but I've been trying to do everything I can to convince him I'm on his side. She shook her head. If I do this, I'm scared he'll decide I'm just another demon. What's worse, I'm scared I might enjoy it. Silence hung across the table for a moment. I understand what you're saying, Jenna, Abby said quietly. But if we don't stop this thing, more people are going to die. The Libbies can't fix this. I don't think anyone can see this thing who's not a teep. If we can draw it out, I can hurt it but not without help from you and a whole lot of other people. If you do this, you'll be helping to save these girls. You've said it yourself, you don't hurt people if you can help it. You won't have to hurt them here, either. And anything you do to their heads will be temporary. I can make sure of that, even if you can't. She reached over and gently squeezed Jenna's upper arm, careful to keep her hand on the shirt's sleeve. Don't you think Eli will be glad that you're helping to save lives? At great risk to yourself? Isn't self-sacrifice his whole deal? Jenna smirked humorlessly. So, you're saying that I can be self-sacrificing by doing something totally selfish? Exactly, Abby said. The other girls snorted, 
and this time Abby saw a little amusement in her eyes. You know, that's such a brilliant argument, I can't believe the bad guys haven't thought of it yet. Yeah, well, they're not known for their creativity, Abby said wryly. How about it? Will you help me? Jenna sighed heavily and nodded. All right, but you'd better back me up if the man upstairs sends someone looking for me. Abby grinned. <laughs> you got it. Now come on, we've got a monster's ass to kick, and your boot's going to be the first in line. And that's the end of part three. Come back next week for the conclusion to Troubled Minds. Goethe said, The person born with a talent they are meant to use will find their greatest happiness in using it. So, let's see what progress I've made on upping my own personal happiness quotient. Here's your weekly writing report. I wrote 3,045 words this week, over the course of 4.75 hours, for an average writing speed of 641 words per hour. As of Friday night, I've gone 117 days without breaking my chain. This week I cycled back through Operation Ibex and did some editing to fix a few early mistakes and omissions. I added about another 1,500 words to the story, between new writing and edits. The manuscript is now over 14,500 words, so this is definitely going to be either a long novella or a short novel when it's finished. I used the Pomodoro technique on three days this week, once for editing, and twice for audio recording and production. Over on the Patreon feed, I've released a couple more behind-the-episode commentaries, and a new preview of the next piece of bonus art from Ben Clifford. I'm really pleased with what Ben is doing for this one, and I hope you guys will enjoy it too. If you like this show and want to help me keep making it, becoming a monthly patron is the best way to do that. You get special author commentaries, story previews, cool bonus art, and other neat stuff. And for everyone who makes a pledge before November 15th, I have a special Christmas thank you planned. Go to patreon.com slash author Chris Lester and make a pledge today. We don't have any feedback for this week, folks, so I have a favor to ask. If you've been enjoying the show, take a minute and leave me a review. I haven't had any new reviews in iTunes since February of this year, and these reviews are really one of the best ways to help people find the show. You can leave reviews through the Apple Podcasts app on an iPhone or iPad, or through the iTunes store on your home computer. Thanks in advance for your help. It may seem like a little thing, but your voice makes a big difference. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255-082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is Fans of Metamore City on Facebook. And my Twitter handle is Ethereus, E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S. If you like this show, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. It makes a big difference in helping people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fiction. 
Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2004 and 2017 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.